Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. The Holy Spirit has come to make Jesus real to us and real through us. He comes to communicate the supreme importance of Jesus Christ above everything and everyone else. As you listen in today, we pray that the Spirit would advance this work in your life. Now here's our Bible teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We begin today a study into the life of personal holiness. Every Christian should have as their goal a life of holiness, and yet to understand this goal, we must first begin to understand holiness as it pertains to God. He is our starting point. He is our destination. For God alone is holy. Isaiah 6, 1-3. Isaiah writes, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 57, 15a. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Revelation 15, 4. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Psalm 89, 34-35 My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out from my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. Exodus 24, 17 The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 4, 24 For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 9.3 Therefore understand today that the Lord your God is He who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Hebrews 12.29 For our God is a consuming fire. I can't imagine a harder subject to speak upon than the one that I'm about to venture into. Taking it up, I know that I am completely destined to fail, to capture in words, or to communicate to you the truth that we are going to begin exploring. We're going to be talking about the holiness of God. Everyone here should just know something, that God has required that for us to come into His presence... And for us to enjoy and be near Him, we can only come into His presence and see Him and enjoy Him if we are and if we have been made holy. Unless we're made holy, unless we are holy ourselves, there is no drawing near to God. There is no enjoyment or experience of God. Not now, not in any time, not in eternity. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue holiness without which no one will see God. So understand something. God has a purpose for you. In fact, the purpose of the cross, the purpose of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the purpose for Christ's ascent into heaven and His intercession for you now, 
the purpose for the outpouring that the Lord Jesus gave of the Holy Spirit coming upon and into any and one who trusts and believes in him, the purpose of all these things, God's purpose for you is to make you holy, to make you holy so that you can enjoy forever the presence of God, the Holy One. And this is what he's commanded of us, by the way. This is what he's commanded and declared to be the pursuit of all of the redeemed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That's God's plan. That's God's command. That ought to be our pursuit. If God's purpose in all things is to make us holy, then our purpose in all things ought to be, if we know Him and we believed in Him and we've trusted Him for salvation, our purpose ought to be, the Christian man and woman's purpose ought to be, to be holy. To be holy in everything and in all things. And so, over the next little while, my purpose will be, my goal will be to speak about this topic of holiness and our pursuit of holiness and the realization of holiness in our lives. But first, we have to take a step back here. One of the verses I just read to you is Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. There, it is said of God, you alone are holy. You alone are holy. This means that holiness is something that belongs entirely and is in possession of God alone, and that anything else that might be considered holy, anything else that might be declared holy, is only holy because it has derived that holiness from God himself. God has placed it upon it. God has conferred it upon that individual or that thing, and God has granted it to them. So if it is possible to be said, and it is, the Bible says of the church, those believers in Jesus Christ, that we are a holy nation. But if that is, can be said of it, it is only said of us because God has conferred upon us. We have something that has been derived from God that God has placed upon us. The angels are called holy. There are individuals who are called holy. These things, these beings, this individual can only be described as holy because God has conferred something of his own holiness upon them, upon the angels, upon ourselves. And so this being the case, and if we were to talk about pursuing holiness in our lives, I think the first thing that we have to take up in consideration is this attribute with reference to God alone. What does it mean that God alone is holy? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And again, I'm just letting you know in advance, I'm going to fail at this topic. And I'm going to fail to communicate it accurately or adequately, and you're going to fail to conceive of it accurate and adequately. And so if any of this is known to you and understood by you, and you come away with a healthy impression of the holiness of God, it will be something that the Holy Spirit communicates to you. What I want to talk about today is just to consider what God means when he ascribes holiness to himself. I want to consider with you how it is that God goes about revealing that holiness to individuals. I want to then consider with you the response that's found in those individuals who meet God or God reveals His holiness to. And then finally, if time permits for a moment, I'd like to explore with you what it means to have that holiness conferred upon us. But first, let's just consider what God meant by ascribing holiness to Himself. So here is 
a definition of the term Kadush, which is the word in Hebrew for holy that is attributed to God alone. The meaning of the word means to be completely and totally other. The meaning of holiness means to be completely and totally other. You'll have a word like this similarly given to items that might be used in the worship of God in the temple. These were considered sacred items. That's where you get the idea of sacred. The idea of sacred comes from the same idea. It's something that has been set apart. It's something that has been set aside from the daily and the mundane order of life so that it could be directed towards God alone. They were considered holy because they had been set apart to be offered up to God. And now, when God reveals himself as the Holy One, he is establishing himself as set apart, as completely and wholly other than everything else. He's declaring that he is alone and singular above all things. He's stating in a sense that he is inconceivably and incomprehensibly above and beyond everything that we could compare to him and anything that we might juxtapose next to him or bring before him. He's just other, completely other. And this otherness is overwhelming. This otherness is awesome. When these holy angels, ones who have had some conference of God's own holiness upon him, are before him in the throne room, and Isaiah has this vision, these angels come before a holiness that is so intense that they cannot bear the sight of it. They cannot gaze upon that holy one, so they cover their eyes. And they cannot risk that holy one gazing upon them, so they cover their feet. And then they cannot rest in that holy presence because it's so unsettling, so they fly about unceasingly. And then they unceasingly say, and this is not premeditated, they unceasingly say what is felt and known in their spirits, holy, holy, holy. What it means is actually this, that the language of angels, the language and voice and the terms of heaven have exhausted themselves in the revelation of God in his utter distinctiveness. And in this presence of this indescribable, incomparable, inconceivable distinctiveness and otherness, all that the angels can say is basically inconceivably other, inconceivably other, inconceivably other. They can't come up with a word for it. They can't come up with a description. They can't come up with a term to say anything else about it than other, other, other. It was the glory of the one that no word could reach or express, not even the words and tongues of angels in his presence. God's holiness is incomprehensible otherness. We, we oftentimes have been taught that the holiness of God is his perfect moral purity, and there is something of that in this idea of holiness, but it is more than that. But even if we were here for a moment to comprehend God's holiness as God's holy purity alone, it is completely other than anything that we can understand or speak of. We have no means of measuring out from ourselves an idea of perfect and moral purity. We might say, well, God is perfect or 100% purity, moral purity. Where do you start in your own life to begin measuring that? Well, that means that it's, what, 99% more than me? 
Where would you go from yourself to consider the moral purity and potency and concentrated expression of the laser-like holiness and purity of God? We're so soaked in a sin-stained, sin-clouded world that we cannot start with ourselves as a reference point and go up from there to bring our minds near to the absolute, perfect, concentrated purity that is found in God because He is totally other. He is incomprehensible to us in His holiness. And this holiness is not just one of God's many moral attributes. You can find a list of the various attributes. You can Google it. You can open it up to a book that's been written on the attributes of God. And oftentimes there will be chapter headings for the different attributes they'll speak of. And there you'll find God's goodness talked about. And there will be a chapter on His justice and His mercy and His grace and His love and His kindness and His wisdom and His power and his infinite nature, and his omnipresence, and all that will be listed. And somewhere in the middle of those, usually somewhere in the middle, is this label, God's holiness. As if God's holiness is just another one of them coming along, but it's not the case. No, God's holiness is not something that just fits within the list of all of his other attributes. His holiness is what carries all of those attributes into a brilliant otherness, of concentrated and unknowable glory. God's Holy Spirit has searched out the wonder of His holiness and He's been given to us, the Christian, in order to lead us into this mystery if we'll follow on. The life of holiness is that pursuit, so let's follow on to know Him. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. To get access to the archive of these radio messages, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also find a link to full-length sermons. Until our next time, God bless you.